Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is season six of one of our very, very favorite series. And as I always say, if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. We have an interesting topic. We're going to talk about sales enablement. I have a quote from a gentleman named Eric Peterson who wrote on business2community.com. And that's the number two between the words business and community. Listen up. Sales enablement has the opportunity to evolve in a big way way. When the role first showed up in the B2B enterprise, sales enablement became a sidekick to the in-person, acquisition-focused selling conversation. But selling today looks completely different than it did back then. So we're going to say welcome to the 2020s, a new decade, a new everything. Sales enablement has indeed matured. and It's poised to drive a new approach to sales and marketing. What the messaging, the skills, the content, who's doing it, how they're doing it, where they're doing it, and how it's being received, all is changing. In this article Eric Peterson wrote, he cited four emerging and imperative trends. Let me just tell you what those are, and then I'm going to introduce my panelists. So first he talks about customer success emerging as a growth engine interesting. Then he talks about remote selling replacing face-to-face. I think in the world we're living in now, pandemic world, we know that is very true. It might not have been when he wrote the article, but it is now. Training adapts to the speed of business. Yes, yes, yes. You all know that. And sales and marketing converge. That's been a topic we've been talking about on this series for years. Is it marketing? What is it? Do they talk to each other? Do they like each other? Do they collaborate with each other? And by the way, in truth here, disclosure, we are doing the show via Zoom, and I am looking at the wonderful, happy, smiling, intelligent faces of my panelists, and I'm seeing them nodding. Yes, Bonnie, that is true. First time we've done the series on Zoom. So I have today with me three experts on this topic. I can't wait to hear their insights. We're going to welcome Ashley Welsh at Somersault Innovation. Can't wait to hear how she named her company. We, I, I remember doing somersaults as a kid, Ashley. We have Loic Simon, Loic Simon. Monsieur Simon in Paris, and he's at hashtag social selling forum. He's been on many times. And we're also welcoming back Sylvie Lashkar, spells her last name L A C H K A R, at SAP. We're going to ask for their insights on B2B sales enablement, the four imperatives for 2020 and beyond. And they might have other imperatives besides the ones that Eric Peterson gave us. So, welcome everyone. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be very, very happy to be here. Remote is great, actually. So first up, Ashley Welch, we're delighted to have you. You're the co-founder of Somersault Innovation. Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? How in the world did you name your wonderful company? And what's your passion for B2B sales enablement? Welcome, Ashley. Ah, Thank you. Well, my background is in sales. In fact, I've been in sales for 
over 20 years and we started Somersault Innovation about five years ago, my co-founder and I, Justin Jones, because we believed in the power of design thinking to transform sales and really to bring human centeredness into and co-creation into the sales environment. Um, we named it Somersault Innovation because we felt that these tools uh, and this change is actually accessible to all, just like a somersault, we can all do that. And it helps us see the world from a different vantage point when you turn upside down. So we're all about shaking it up in the sales environment, creating more human connections and um, driving co-creation with sellers and their customers. Ashley, quick question. We're in this age, I, I hate to say it, the era of the pandemic or wh whatever we want to call it, the abnormal, the new normal, the almost next normal. And because of remote selling and social selling for the past few years, do you think that salespeople in B2B are already in the in the groove? I'll use that term. They're in the mode because they know how to do it. The ones who have embraced digital selling, social selling, we sometimes call it, they're already there. They know what to do. So was it as much a shock to them that they needed to do it without sitting down over dinner or a cup of coffee? What do you think? Yeah, I think it was just as, as big a shock to all of them. I mean, I think one of the things we're seeing right now is like, how do you create your virtual brand? So when, since we're all virtual, one of the things we're teaching sellers how to do is how to collaborate online using digital whiteboards. Um, and people are not familiar with that. They may be familiar with having conversations together, but not really this co-creative stance that you can do digitally now. And so I think it's very new for a lot of people. Thank you. I'm I'm surprised and delighted that you said that. Thank you very much. That's why we have smart people like the three of you on, because we're looking for reality checks. I sometimes make assumptions based on what I know. This is not my wheelhouse, obviously. And I, I like it when we raise the bar. So thank you, Ashley, and welcome. Delighted to have you on. And now let's go to our second panelist, Loic Simon at hashtag social selling forum. Loic, you've yeah. been on so many times. I sometimes think you could run the show, but I'm not going to give you the baton. So don't worry about it. Loic, introduce yourself in case in case there's one person in the world who doesn't know who you are, this is your chance to tell them, go ahead, Loïc. Yeah, and I am Loïc Simon, which you say very well, by the way, now. Merci. Yeah, I have a passion for sales and for sales transformation. And I believe that social selling is a very good catalyst for this transformation today because it forces us to love our customers, to put trust first and to rely on talents which express themselves on social networks. And that's why I founded the Social Selling Forum, which is a recurring forum, which is already at the 60th edition, by the way, in, in a little bit more than four years. And now I have completely switched from offline to online in a few, in a matter of weeks. And now I am delivering uh, social selling forms online in French so far, also in English sometimes. Yeah. So you would agree with Ashley about needing to pivot, needing to express and create, create and express your brand online in ways that you, you might've done a little bit before, but was that a hard jump or a leap for you, Loic, having to do it only online? No, for me, it's not a hard jump because when you when you do social selling, you f automatically do video. Also, you express yourself online through Zoom or go to meeting or whatever kind of teams and so on. So for me, it was not a shock. It was not a, a way to something which was uh, uh, I, I, I had no problem with this. But I see a lot of salespeople, especially in large and medium sized companies, which are still not familiar with online, with remote selling. And they are not familiar, by the way, either with social selling. 
That's a, that's a shock to me because it's already five years that Sylvie and me, we evangelize social selling. And I, I must mm. say, management is not yet up to the par in terms of social selling. Why? Why? Yeah. Just briefly, why not? Why, why yeah. have, I'll, I'll get oh, to something in a second. So many reasons. We could spend uh, days and days talking about this. <laughs> why don't companies embrace correctly social selling, especially large and medium-sized ones? For the small guys like me, the consultants, the coaches, the freelancers, no problem, no issue. For the VSB, very small businesses, no issue. They are forced to go social selling and digital selling and remote selling, blah, blah, blah. But the big ones, they have kind of a luxury with all these sales enablement teams and so on you know all these guys who are giving them directions and 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 putting them to the task uh, in a in a K kpi processes and reporting kind of fashion like hierarchical and so on and so on and so on so there are many reasons week i wish you were more passionate when you answered my question <laughs> if our listeners could see the expressiveness week talking with his hands and with his body and and just it's wonderful to do radio on zoom i i just discovered this wonderful sylvie lashkar has been on with me before we're so happy to have you back sylvie and week told me just before the show that if you didn't come today, he wasn't going to be on the show because you, you've you been, as he said, collaborating for so many years as evangelist. So Sylvie, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, please? And yeah, so, so um, I've been through a lot of different roles uh, in the past, uh, always roles that has been supported sales, so marketing, business development, alliance management. And for six years now, I have been responsible of deploying social selling or digital selling that we call it now uh, for Europe. And uh, I'm now in a global team uh, in charge of uh, helping and coaching uh, all, the, all the leaders of my team uh, to use social media properly for, to reach their objective. And we, we're talking about a global team now. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm so happy I took this role two, two weeks ago. So um, yeah. that's fairly new. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and I have also an entrepreneur, um, a small company, uh, because some companies are asking me, Grace to Loic as well, uh, to, to make conferences and trainings or coaching of, of, of some other companies externally, which is really great because it brings me a lot of... Uh, good inputs from external to bring it to my own company as well. So that's good exchange. Very nice to hear from you, Sylvie. Do you agree with Loic that companies just haven't all gotten on board? And do you have any idea why? Why not? Uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do still. I think there. Uh, the problem is that sales are always running after time and uh, they have the quarterly end and they have to produce business and they still think that it is a nice to have but not really necessary to be more performant and also it's an investment they don't see immediate results uh, so they have to to get clever and understand that all their investment is going to bring back some results afterwards uh, but it's like when you ask a, a sales to be more strategic sometimes it's quite very hard so that's one of the, of the main reason, I think. 
Let me ask a quick question around the panel before we get to the wonderful opening quotes you each sent me. Question is, demographically, do you think that the, do you find there's, uh, Ashley, I'll start with you. Do you find that there's more quote unquote resistance, reluctance, or more laggards? I'll use that term advisedly. Uh, in people who've been in sales a long, long time, this is not how we did it. You know, you make a meeting, you sit down, you shake hands, maybe you give a hug, you hand a brochure, that kind of thing. And and that could mean that it's the older demographic and I'm not, I'm a boomer, so I'm not casting aspersions on anybody, but, Louis, but uh, do, you, do you think that it's, it's a, a cohort, a demographic cohort issue, or do you think there might be people in the younger cohorts who are also resistant? And let's just quickly go around the table, two minutes each. Ashley, what do you observe? Yeah, I do observe it, observe it in the demographics for sure. And I think it's also, it's not only the demographic, but it's the type of company you sit in. Like I think, Loic, you were saying like the larger, big bureaucratic companies where people have been there for a long, long time, have used to doing things the way they did. It's not second nature and it's hard to learn um, for those who are younger. And I think those who are in a really fast tech environment, for example, some of the more startup or Silicon Valley types, uh, you know, it's more part of the culture. So I think they're faster to get on the bandwagon. Mm. Thank you. Sip of water break. Loic, you're next. Go ahead. Yeah, I separate people in two cohorts. First, leadership, leadership team and then the salespeople themselves. And for the leadership team, of course, it's a question of age because many sales directors, they are 40, 50, 55, and they don't get it. Most of the problems we have is because of the sales directors, the sales manager who do not get it. Now, from a, from a sales rep's perspective, there is no change, no, no difference between a young guy who is on TikTok all day or on Instagram and doesn't understand, have a clue on, on B2B selling and an old guy like me, you know, I'm 64. I was a social <laughs> seller already, you know, it's just a question of doing good business. So that's my answer, my short answer. Very much appreciate that. I did not use the word old anywhere in what I said, and you did, so I, that's on you. <laughs> Sylvie Lashkar, what's your thought about the demographics of the impact of why it isn't widely adopted yet? What do you see? Well, uh, concerning the age problem, I don't think that's a concern. I mean, we're more... Uh facing uh, clever people and intelligent people and the, the one that are willing to change and transform themselves and the one who doesn't. Mm -hmm. So that's more uh, this. Of course, the youngest uh, have been uh, in the bath sooner with digital. Uh, and as Loic told us, um, they don't necessarily know exactly how to have a good professional uh, usage of the social media, but, mm -hmm. but it's but it's more easy for them. But uh, I mean, uh, same with me, yeah, I'm, I will be uh, 56 next Saturday. So, I mean, um, internet didn't exist when I began to work. So it, it's not a question of age, it's just a question of, okay, I understand this is so useful. I understand this is, um, I need to go for it and I'm going to give me all the tools to do it. Uh, I see more uh, reluctance um, depending on the country. Mm, um, yeah. But some, some country do not want to go or, or think they know everybody or thinks they have to see people because it's cultural mm -hmm. uh, than really age groups. 
So Great. this is what I'm working on is to convince several different countries uh, based on their culture that they uh, they can use it. And, and I usually told them, okay, when, when internet came, uh, did you decide not to use internet and, and stay to the phone or the fax or the telex? Um, I mean, you need to move on. You need to take the different tools as you take the train, the plane, or the car. Travel uh, is just another one that is going to help to achieve your goals. Thank you all. Great insights. Thank you for indulging my sidebar question. Um, Sylvie, joyeux anniversaire on your birthday <laughs> this weekend. I hope I'm remembering enough French to do it justice here. Okay, and this is the part of the show where my panelists have dug deep into their, their cultural memory banks and their curiosity and sent me quotes from a book, a movie, a song, a person, and we're going to see what the quote in their own words, the words of the panelists, have to do with our topic today. So Ashley has mm. sent us a line from the song Anthem by Leonard Cohen, the great and recently departed Leonard Cohen, from his album The Future, which he released in 1992. It also appeared on his compilation More Best Of in 1997. little background, The Future is the ninth studio album by Canadian singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen, released in 92. It's almost an hour long, his longest to date. It reflects, interestingly enough, the fall of the Berlin Wall and the 1992 LA riots, which mm -hmm. took place while he was writing. And did you know that, Ashley? No, uh, I'm learning a lot. Writing and recording the album, which expressed his sense of the world's turbulence. I'm just going to leave that alone because mm -hmm. this today is June 2nd, 2020, and anybody alive who's listening to the show can figure out what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Leonard Norman Cohen, he had a couple of letters after his name, CC and GOQ, lived from 1934 to 2016, a Canadian singer, songwriter, poet, and novelist. His work explored religion, politics, isolation, depression, sexuality, loss, death, and romantic relationships. He was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And interesting, he didn't start his music career until he was 33 years old because in the 50s and 60s, he was a poet and a novelist and didn't do too well. By the way, he wrote the song Suzanne that became a huge hit for Judy Collins. So here's, finally, Ashley, I'm gonna get to it. Here's, I'm gonna give the full quote. There's a four, four line yeah, okay. stanza here. So here's the quote uh, in the full, part ring the bells that still can ring forget your perfect offering there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in and those last two lines are what ashley sent me ashley how in the world does this relate to our topic today please love the quote by the way yeah i love it too i mean i think it's about humanity it's about all of us it's about the idea that like forget your perfect offering it's when you're vulnerable that that's where the magic happens. That's where we connect. That's where the creativity comes from. And I think that's so true in sales. Like the idea of like, forget your most perfect pitch and all the expertise you come with, like show your humanness. Um, let's connect on what we care about and how I care about you. And that's where the magic and connection happens. That's where the opportunity grows from. So I love that quote for myself. Um, it's how I try to live in the world. And I love that quote for sellers out there. Ash, do you ever quote Leonard Cohen to your clients, Ashley? Do you ever read them that line and say, hey, this is the point. This is what we're trying to do. Forget about the technology and forget about the strategy. Try to be a real human being and let that light in. Do you ever, you could quote that, that line. Yeah, well, I used to have it at the end of my email. 
Um, and no, I haven't quoted it. So now I will. Thank you, Bonnie. But I say that all the time of like, just be human. And, you know, so much comes from that. And I think like, you know, I think sales is really interesting because there's this dichotomy in sales of, on the one hand, you have to be pretty vulnerable. You've got a number on your head. Everybody knows whether you're making it or not. You face rejection constantly. Um, so you, you know, you are sitting in that vulnerability. At the same time, you have sort of this tough, um, resilient stance of like, I'm just going to keep going out there and I'm going to keep doing this. And so it's really, I think sales is very interesting and unique in that way. And so I'm encouraging sellers to like, you know, sort of lift up your vulnerability. It's okay. You know, you're vulnerable and it's okay to show that. Wow. I think we could do a, Loic is his thumbs up here. I think we could do a whole show on vulnerability yeah. and sales and authenticity. Yeah. I have a, I have a proposal for the three of you. I'll get back to you after the show for okay. another, another type of a show. Uh, Loic, you're up next. And Loic has sent us a quote that, oh, court investigator loves to work on this one, Loic. You know that. We're not sure if it came from Dennis Gabor, who wrote a book in 1963 called Inventing the Future. And Dennis Gabor was awarded a Nobel Prize in physics for his work in holograms, holography. And it's also attributed to Alan Kay, who said it differently. I'll get to the quote in a second. He started Started using it in 1971. Alan Curtis Kay is an American computer scientist, and he's best known for pioneering object-oriented programming. I'm a programmer from way back in the day, and what we call GUI, G-U-I, windowing graphical user interface, GUI design. Here's the quote, damn it, and, it will, and Luik will decide who he thinks the source was. So the best way to predict the future is to invent it. I got to it, Luik. So Luik, I don't care who it's from. What does it have to do with our topic of B2B sales enablement? Talk to me. I think it's fully relevant in the COVID area right now because nobody can say what the future will look like, especially, by the way, in sales enablement. You will ask us for our predictions. I won't give you predictions, by the way, yeah? but I will invent while going. And I already used this quote three years ago when we first started our, our uh, digital selling kind of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, discussions to, together, Bonnie, you and me. And I stick to this one. Okay, that's fine. Interestingly, uh, the idea of, and there are versions of the quote, invented, created, there are, there are, quote investigator has about eight different variations on it. But what's interesting, talking uh, with Ashley just a minute ago about your vulnerability, your humanity, your authenticity, and creating it, getting out of that box of this is how we always did it. This is the way it's supposed to be done and brave new world, dive in and create. And, and Sylvia, you were mentioning the issue with creating a digital brand that's new and a challenge for a lot of sellers who haven't done it before they needed to, which is right now. Uh, perhaps inventing that future is reinventing yourself and your, your digital brand. Hooking that up with the quote of the week. Thank you very much for the same quote, which is always very wonderful. And I appreciate that. Now, Sylvie has sent us a quote from the one and only Oprah Winfrey. In case there's somebody on the planet who doesn't know who she is, I'm going to give a brief bio. Oprah Gail Winfrey, born in 1954. I get to call her a kid. She's a young woman. An American talk show host, actress, TV producer, media executive, philanthropist, best known, of course, for the Oprah Winfrey Show and all of the gifts under the seats of the studio audience. Broadcast from Chicago, it was the highest rated TV program of its kind in history. And it ran in syndication nationally in the U.S. for 25 years from 1986 
all the way to 2011. Can you imagine mm. the metamorphosis that Oprah had to do, Sylvie, to change the impact and the reach and the style of that show 25 years from the mid 80s to the to 2011. Uh, she is dubbed, Oprah is dubbed the queen of all media. She is the richest African-American of the 20th century, could be for the 21st too. And she's North America's first black multi-billionaire. And she was sometimes ranked as of 27, 2007, as the most influential woman in the world. I get chills just reading that. Here is the quote that Sylvie has picked from Oprah Winfrey, and I'm sure there were a lot. Failure is a great teacher. And if you are open to it, every mistake has a lesson to offer. Sylvie, how'd you pick this gorgeous quote? Well, uh, I mean, I think you asked the question why people don't want to go to social media and don't want to share things. It's because they're afraid of doing something they shouldn't do. They're afraid uh, of being wrong. And um, and in general, I think people don't like to fail. Uh, it, uh, they have been raised this way. Yeah. And, um, and I think in the country, then failure uh, is, um, is just a, a big lesson because you learn from your experiences. Mm -hmm. And when you fail once and you have uh, the ability to analyze why you failed and do differently in the future, you grow up. And this is why uh, I've always, for example, I, I've got two children and uh, when my first child was a baby, he used to fall down and I didn't run to uh, put him on his feet again, uh, his feet again uh, because I thought he had to learn by himself how to, to stand up and, uh, and to be more sure about himself. And uh, if I went and, and picked him up and he was looking at me, just staring at me, do I, what he sees in me. So I, I think uh, even in, in for professional, uh, it's, it's really a, a, a wonderful lesson uh, to make mistakes and, and to learn from them. And uh, I've always grown up when I had a crisis and see with this COVID situation at the moment, how some companies are, are, are taking ownership of what's happening and, and they learn so quickly and they evolve and they transform themselves and they, uh, and, and, and they grow uh, and they're going to be better uh, in the future uh, when some others just fail and, and, and don't take lessons. So I think uh, in life for everybody at the enterprise level or at the, uh, the the human being level or children level, um, we have to fail. I did it's necessary. Thank you, Sylvie. I hear you saying words like get up and dust yourself off and try again. I hear you saying words like be flexible, be agile, pivot, explore. And I'm going to use a D word, discover, which is part of what I'm going to get to next because it's time in the show now for me to go over the discussion statements you all sent me. And uh, Ashley is nodding because she knows her first statement is about discovery. So I thought that was a pretty cool segue, Ashley. And thank you for what you said, Sylvie. So Ashley Welch at Somersault Innovations has sent me the following. Let's just read statement number one. Ashley, I'm going to read this one because it's short and ask you to explain it for about two minutes. 
And then we will get Loic to chime in for about a minute and a half and Sylvie, and then I'll pick a statement from Loic. We'll go around the table, one from Sylvie, and let's see how we can cover the concept of the B2B sales enablement imperatives according to my three experts on the show. Mr. Peterson has his own in that article. We're going to have our own. So, so Ashley Welch says the following. The way you do discovery determines the degree of your success in sales. Unfortunately, most of us, I guess that's a big global statement, Ashley, most of us are poor at discovery because we are obsessed with making our numbers. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I think, you know, we're sales are born or die in discovery and discovery is really about understanding what your customer and we would say even their customers care about. And when you understand what they care about and the underlying motivations and interests, that's the inspiration for your ability to connect and co-create with your customer. And I think I always say like the promise of pay and the pressure of sales limits us as salespeople to just focus on the clothes and the number. And we forget to sort of stay open, stay in that discovery curiosity space and really stay open to discovering things that we don't know versus looking for the uh, sort of the problem that fits our solution, right? So often it's like motivational bias, the idea that I will just listen for you know, that thing that answers what I have to offer, and then I'm off. And it, by doing that, I literally miss other information that could lead to more opportunity. So, so much of our work right now in enablement, and I actually hear this, we, we've been convening a roundtable of sales enablement leaders, actually someone from SAP as well. And one of the things they've been talking about is this need to do better discovery in all levels of sales, you know, from the SDR all the way up to the enterprise seller. Um, and I do think it's also, it's like the playground for where authentic connection also starts. And so there's value beyond just the information you get. It's also where you build that trust and connection. And the last thing I'll say is like Amy Cuddy taught us early on this idea that we connect first on warmth and trust and secondarily on expertise. And so we need to establish that trust for us to want to work together. I don't really care how smart you are if I don't trust you. And so that's another, you know, that's where that trust is born is in discovery. Thank you. Very interesting, Ashley. It reminds me a little bit about the very well-known Maya Angelou quote about it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, it's how you make people mm -hmm. feel. And this warmth mm -hmm. and trust goes goes with that statement. Thank you very much, Ashley. I got your name right. And mm -hmm. Loic Simon, why don't you chime in on this concept of discovery that Ashley shared? Yeah, I just want to say that for me, discovery, it's obvious, but it should be done before the first meeting with the customers. Because today we have everything at hand to be able to know most of things which are, which are um, making our prospects uh, tick and so on. So before we even have the first meeting, that's my perspective on this. And then I would say that I like my prospects, on the other hand, to know everything about me before this first meeting also. That's why I love social networks, by the way, social media, because it allows them to see what I am really made of. And they can, they will not confuse me with Leonardo DiCaprio in the Wolf of Wall Street. They will have trust in me. They will know that I am credible in what I'm talking about. They will see my passion. And by the way, I like to talk when I am in front of customers and not just to listen like we did 20 years ago and where we were doing site psychiatry in a way or psychoanalytics you know with the customers yeah now it's different because we have everything on hand that's my take on this 
Thank you. Very interesting. I wish our listeners could see your expressiveness and know that you're you're a real person oozing passion right now, Loic. I, I appreciate yeah. it. This is a whole new thing doing radio, looking at people. I, I wish I had thought about this years ago. This is a, a wonderful experience. Sylvie Lashkar, I'd love to get your thoughts on discovery. What do you think? Well, I think it's human. Uh, we are all uh, human speaking to human and uh, and and we need uh, we need to show that we are have interest for our customers and just not we want to sell them something, and uh, and especially if we relate to social media, how do you know uh, what you're going to tell us to tell them uh, if you don't know what are their interests, what are their objectives, what are their passions? So it's like, you know, in a dinner, you're just coming and you don't ask questions and you don't, you, you just speak about yourself. And, and, and so you, that, that is really annoying and it doesn't open conversations. So, um, and, and for ages, salespeople have to do their homework and do research. So now they have another way of getting information about their customer through social media. Uh, so, so that should be natural. And usually, I tell them, uh, "Please shut up and just listen. <laughs> listen first. Uh, that you're talking and talking, and you need to keep silent so that you let people express themselves, and also feel feel that you are interesting in them. So you create also a relationship by doing that. Uh, and and as you and you said, Ashley, you create trust." you create credibility and you create a connection. And that connection is sometimes going to make the difference between other salespeople mm -hmm. because they're not only buying because they are buying the best solutions or the best services. They are buying from someone, from someone they trust and someone who is going to be reliable and, um, and show uh, good skills and a good ear. So, so that's so important. Thank and and by the way, I'm I'm more calm than Loic, but I'm passionate as well. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. We know you are. This reminds me of when you see in, in movies or TV shows, they say, I know a guy. You know, I, I know a guy. I know somebody who I know knows something and I can trust them. It might not be for the above board thing we'd like to talk about now. I have a quick question for you, Ashley Welch, before <laughs> we move on. And Loic, I'm going to go to your statement number one in a second. Loic was talking about how... His, his customers, his prospects, people he talks to know so much about him through his social media mm -hmm. presence. And you mm -hmm. talked about the challenge today of creating that online identity, that brand. Ashley, mm -hmm. any comments uh, for, for our listeners? I know that Loic and Sylvie get this in terms of everything you put online is always going to be there. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and to, to not just be careful, but to be smart about how you represent yourself, your brand, mm -hmm. personally, professionally. Look, when I go to look up people, I might go to LinkedIn first, but I might just Google them and see all the places they show up. Sylvie's nodding. She knows. Loic knows. Ashley, any comments about building that brand with care now that we know how important it is mm -hmm. and how searchable it is? Thoughts, Ashley? Exactly what I talked to my girls about. Careful what you put online. Yeah. Um, yes. So, um, well, I think it's interesting. I don't know that I have advice, but I have a reflection that matches Sylvie's, which is, I think the um, sort of like the Leonard Cohen quote, if you become obsessed with just perfecting your brand, 
it limits your ability to put something real and authentic out there because you're nervous, it's going to be wrong, someone's going to find it later, and you become paralyzed. So I think um, I was just trying to my sister yesterday, I was like, you have to start putting video up. She's like, I'm not putting video up. I'm like, no, 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 that's what you got to do. And it's okay if you don't look great. And you don't say the perfect thing. People want to know you and connect with you. So my advice is like, just start putting small things out there that reflect who you are and what you're thinking today. It doesn't have to be brilliant. It doesn't have to be perfect. It does have to be you. Thank you very much. Great advice. Let's move on. Luis Simon. He's got thumbs up for what Ashley just said. Yes, it's wonderful to be able to see all of you while we're talking. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm excited. My listeners are saying, what happened to Bonnie? I don't know. She's, all, she's more excited today. Luis told me the following in statement number one. This is very, very, very important. He says, sales enablement will almost always fail when there is no alignment between what happens inside a company and what is being communicated to the outside world. Luik, please translate this for us. Tell us more. Unpack it, as they say on the news. Yeah, but first I want to come to what I think about sales enablement. For me, it's not primarily about processes, tools, or education. It's mostly about supporting sales teams so that they can align with customers and help customers progress through their education and buying journeys. So if we think about sales, sales enablement in this way, our salespeople are at the forefront and they cannot have discrepancy and, and non-congruence between what is being done inside the company and what is being said outside of the company. Especially, by the way, if we want them to act as ambassadors, employee ambassadors, employee advocates, outside the company. There must be congruence and coherence between what is, is going on inside the company and outside the company. Otherwise, whatever you do in terms of help sales enablement will falter because they will have processes, they will have KPIs, they will have CRM, they will have education, they will have content which does not resonate to, to the external world. And it, that's my take on this. I could spend hours on explaining this, but uh, I really believe that companies who are still in a very uh, pyramidal way uh, mm -hmm. structure, who are not trusting their employees, who are not de uh, giving them the power in terms of real enablement, who, are, who do not have a real mission in life to save the world in a way or another, yeah? When they talk, for example, about saving the planet or, or ecology or uh, having employees first or customers first, and then what happens inside the company is the contrary, then forget about sales enablement. Forget about social selling, by the way. Forget about having your, your salespeople and the rest, by the way, and the technical guys uh, do uh, any sort of uh, activities, especially online especially on social networks, especially in an authentic and vulnerable way. That's my take. Thank you. And that's where we get something about the term whistleblower. When people say, you think that's what that company is really about? I'll tell you what's really going on here. And that's when the you know what hits the fan. And we see it. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking in companies. Uh, I was recruited by a, a large real estate company to be a marketing director many, many years ago. And everything was wonderful in the interviews and hunky-dory, and it was great. And I was so excited. I started the first day, and the woman I was going to be working with came up to me and said, we don't want you here. 
We don't want you encroaching on what we're doing. We've already got everything in place and we're not going to make your life easy here. And I just went and found a, I think a payphone. This is how long I, I called my mother and I said, oh my God, what did I do taking this job? So that's the inside, right? And the outside, there was a huge battle going on between the owners of the company. One accused me of blowing it up if I follow what the other owner wanted. The other one told me, don't listen to him. He'll steer you wrong. They use me as a battleground. This was the truth inside the company, but outside everybody saw, oh, the most successful real estate company. I won't tell you where it was. And everything was wonderful and dramatic and dynamic. And it was dramatic and dynamic in, in all the opposite ways inside. So absolutely correct. Thank you. Thank you. Brought back some really bad memories there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sylvie, join us, please. Thoughts about what Loic said. You can, we can make this brief because I think I know where we're all going with this. And then I'll pick a statement from you. Sylvie, what do you think about inside versus outside? Well, I totally agree. I, I think uh, the, the uh, w what is given to them has to be connected with the culture of the company. Uh, if you uh, if you say the country as what is done externally, it makes no sense, and they they need to to, to find uh, a purpose uh, of what is told to them, and especially the youngest now, uh, they. Uh, they really need to understand uh, and to trust the solution they're selling and to behave uh, like the company uh, is behaving itself. Um, so I totally agree. I think there's nothing to add to that. Um, I, I've, seen, I've seen trainings where we, uh, we hired some external providers with a, a structure and a method and, and something that was completely disconnected to the culture of the company and we failed. I mean, it, it was not mm -hmm. possible to, to have good results with that. And sales are so difficult, so difficult to, 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 to get them into training. So when we have them, we, we own them uh, quality and, and to respect that. Thank you. Ashley Welch, let's get your POV in here. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think where I see it and where it's most disconcerting for me is when a customer talks about customer centricity and then and customer success and it's all over their brand. And then if you talk to the customers, they're like, that's not the way I feel. And so there's this huge disconnect. And I think part of that comes from compensation. Like we are compensating when we overcompensate sellers on the close. It does, they often sell things that the customer doesn't even need. I see this all the time. And so the sales process, the customer may feel great, but then all of a sudden realize on the other side that actually they were sold something that they didn't really need and doesn't really work. And so there's this huge disconnect and I think it creates, you know, it, it just starts to destroy loyalty and, um, you know, you don't want to buy again from them. Thank you very much, Louis. Very provocative, wonderful statement. You want to quickly add anything, Louis? Because I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I would say to Ashley, don't start me on compensation because I don't believe anymore in compensation, in extrinsic uh, motivation, in territories, in KPI, in processes, and so on. So we could we could spend hours discussing this about the future of the sales profession. Oh my God! Don't accept his invitation. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get together and do that again and later in the year la week okay i'm ready to move on sylvie lashgar i have i'm looking at your statement number four i don't think we've covered that uh so let's talk about this you talk about one of the imperatives for b2b sales enablement as a combination of tools e-learning online workshops podcasts gamification we haven't talked about that and challenges and you say this helps to gain time 
give people the ability to ask questions, to get motivated, to consume training on demand, and it helps to reach different types of people who do not learn the same way. We know that. This is a great idea. Sylvie, why don't you expand this for us for about two minutes, and then we'll go around the table. I'll ask Ashley next, and then Luik, and then we'll pretty much be up to the part of the show where we'll go the the uh, predictions that Luik doesn't want to do. So <laughs> I heard you. So Sylvie, what does this all mean? What What is the this combination of tools? How many companies get this? Talk to me. Well, I don't know how many companies get this, but I think, you know, sales is, uh, I mean, the, I told you they are so difficult to drag into, into trainings and they have to understand why they need to go to trainings and they get bored very easily. They need to, to get results immediately. So the fact to combine different tools like e-learning, so you prepare and then you go to a workshop when you're going to practice because finally, showing them that they don't know something they have to go and practice and discover that by themselves so they they fail they understand they don't know how to do it and they they aim to learn how to do it so it's part of the motivation and then uh, gamification it's obvious because usually salespeople love challenges and they they love to play so having a, a, a curriculum with all of that combined together, um, I forgot in my introduction to say I've spent 10 years in sales enablement. So this is where my experience is coming. Uh, it helps to uh, to have, um, I mean, good results from them and to and 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 also to get attention from everyone because we know that people learn by listening. People, some others. People learn by writing some others learn by reading so if you combine all the methods you're sure you cover all those way of learnings and you're sure you will address everyone in the company and and also i believe a lot into putting everyone together and let them talk to each other so that they learn from it, from from each other more than just one trainer um, because they like to learn from their peers and they don't trust us. If we are, you know, enablers, uh, they don't trust us. We, we're not in sales. We're not doing their work. Uh, so we, um, so, so we have to use them also to train each other. So they, these are all the combinations that are possible. And, and while you're speaking, Sylvia, I'm thinking of uh, there's something called the four humors. Some of you may be, and it's not a comedian, it's not a comedy thing. The humors are how, how we, as people, how we're put together. And you hear people say, I see what you mean. And some people want visual. I hear what you're saying. I feel your pain, right? And and I'm I'm you're speaking my language. So there are different ways that people relate, and that goes to training. Thank you, Sylvie. Very interesting. Ashley, love to get your POV on this. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree completely with Sylvie. I think it's the diversity of sort of learning assets that allow people to learn. And I actually think the COVID environment has pushed us to innovate in this space. So we can say thank you, COVID, for that. Um, uh, I think the other piece of the puzzle that has come up a lot in my conversations with sales enablement leaders is the power of leader as coach to support this new learning and that that sometimes has been left out. Um, talking to someone right now about sort of like this idea of the frontline leader has sort of been left out um, of the either strategy or the empowerment process and really that's a huge lever in change. So 
bringing them along to coach these new skills as they're delivered in different um, methods is really a, a, and also a powerful process. Do you think this is, is difficult for companies to embrace this, Ashley, to understand we have different types of learners, their speed, their style, their absorption, their interest, their attention span. Do you think this is tough for companies to get? Well, we're not just going to set everybody down with a manual. Mm. Remember the days when you had a training manual on the desk and maybe it was a loose leaf and you had you had to read it and, and mm. answer questions. Do you think companies understand that we are all different learners, Ashley? Yeah, I actually think they do. I think they understand that. I mean, uh, a lot of people talk about it. I think it's all, you know, as in anything, it's all in the implementation and create doing the implementation well. And in the way Sylvie said of really getting the attention of the learner, that's the hard part. I'd give a big shout out to New Relic who just had to take their sales kickoff event that was going to be face to face and we were going to be there. It was going to be fantastic. And now it all went virtual. And they, in six weeks, turned it into a gamified process where the people were so engaged that they got behind the software and figured out the algorithms of the game and kept playing it over and over until they all won. So um, I think the hard part is actually doing it. Thank you very much. Luik Simone, thoughts about different styles of learning and training? Yeah, I have three, three ideas on this. First, the leaders for me should be leading and should be the first ones who really implement all this new stuff, be it social selling, whatever, you know, that's my perspective on this. Then I also think that training, to, training today is on the job and it's a continuous training towards excellence, towards mastery. And everybody should become master by just doing and doing and failing, as Sylvie said. And the last thing I want to, I'm not completely with Sylvie on this one. I don't like at all gamification, by the way. I don't like uh, infantilizing in a way or another salespeople, especially I came from IBM where I am a digital native of the 80s and I hated games, to, to be very honest with you. But that's me, that's only me. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, you, you can feel free to agree to disagree on, on that one. It's now the time of the show. I'm looking at the clock. We have only six minutes left, and it's a shame because this has been a wonderfully rich and exciting conversation. I'm looking at the smiling faces of my panelists. I wish our radio audience could see all of you. <laughs> and, and it's just been a really interesting uh, getting all of your different backgrounds together here to see where the intersections are and raising the bar on some of the points where there was a, a slight disagreement or adding different elements to the conversation. So let's go around the table. Louis, are you really going to bail on me when it comes to the crystal ball prediction round? Are you really going to say, Ashley's first, but I just want to check mm -hmm. in with you, Louis, before I save time for you. It's okay. I will say something. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to check. Ashley Welch at Somersault Innovations. You are up first. So Ashley, we'd love to get your prediction. Uh, it could be something that would happen five minutes after we're off the air or when you finish your sentence, it's going to happen any second now. It could be the end of 2020. Why don't you go out as far as 2025, but not farther out than that. So 60 seconds, Ashley Welch, you are up. All right, I got five statements. Whoa. I think the business value of design thinking is gonna be realized in sales as a human-centered power app. People are gonna to start to get that. I don't think, two, I don't think we'll ever go back to face-to-face -to -face in the same way. Uh, three, I think customer success is where the sales game is gonna be played. There's much more connection between um, the customer in the customer success space. 
Um, fourth, how to build collaboration across a broad set of stakeholders is a key competency moving forward. There are more and more decision makers um, that need to be involved. And lastly, um, being able to articulate time to value more quickly is, I think, another core competence of sellers. There's more scrutiny in the COVID environment around what things are worth and valued, and that's upping our own game and forcing us to articulate time to value uh, more readily. Thank you. You did that all in 60 seconds. I'm going to use you as the enablement trainer for future <laughs> guests on Game Changers Radio. When you tell people 60 seconds, Ashley, they either give you uh, 30 seconds and stop short. They say they throw me over the hood of the car because I'm expecting more, or they go for two and a half minutes and they don't want to stop. All so right. thank you. That was absolutely perfect. Loic Simon, sir, monsieur, we're ready for your prediction. I have 60 seconds with your name on them. Use them well. Yeah. First thing, I think that AI, artificial intelligence, will change a lot of things in sales enablement. Then I also think that we will forget about specializing uh, salespeople in SDRs, account exec, and customer success reps. We will come back to, to customer first. And as these salespeople will be all online and remote selling, there is no more reason to really separate them the way we do today, especially because they will be helped by AI and hopefully by uh, aligning with the marketing in a marketing way, sales and marketing alignment with the customer buying journeys. That's my only predictions, which are not predictions, but my hope. Uh, that that's fair enough. I like the word marketing because smart almost sounds like smart. I think we can get away with that or smart kitting. Maybe that's what we need to do is respell the word. Interesting. Something we didn't talk about today is when you get feedback on your company, on your salespeople, on your products online, that damage control. We've heard it in, in recent years. What does a company do? That's a whole other conversation. Sylvie Lashkar, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. Go, beep, beep. Okay, oh my God. So I think uh, in the future, uh, I see everybody selling. So I mean, all employees of the company can sell. Uh, everybody can be a brand advocacy. Everybody can support the company and initiate uh, selling and opportunities. I think we have also to change the behavior with our cu customers, uh, changing the, the way uh, we, we, uh, we talk to them by being uh, more a partner and a supporter than a seller to them. And I love the fact that uh, we speak about design thinking and collaboration. Uh, we can collaborate with our customers to change also the solutions and the offers. Uh, and, and they're part of the system. So they're not just buyers. They are, uh, they, they produce the future with us. Mm -hmm. Listen and listen carefully. I'm seeing heads going up and down, nodding. I can't thank the three of you enough. This is the first time we've done this series on Zoom. It has been absolutely delightful seeing your faces and your body language and seeing the the collaboration and and when sometimes you didn't agree seeing that emotion on your face and Luik with the hand signals there i i wish we could show this to our listeners it's been quite delightful i want to thank aj we call him arif johari at sap for gathering an absolutely wonderful panel aj you went really over the top on this one and series sponsor kirsten boylo you all know kirsten thank you so much for keeping the series coming back year after year after year such important information especially now who knew aaron keller my engineer extraordinaire at world talk radio feel better aaron you sound like you're doing an impersonation of somebody famous we love your original voice and here's my call to action 
fasten your seatbelt. I know my car is getting three months to the gallon. I don't know how well you're doing. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Ashley Welch at Somersault Innovation. I still love the name of your company. Loic Simon at Social Selling Forum and Sylvia Lashkar at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. As I tell everyone, be safe, be smart, be well. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everybody wave. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.